0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings, what I have found is that most people actually are truthful. If I left my keys in the truck and the truck unlocked, most people actually still live by, that's not mine, I don't open it up, I don't drive it away. Most. Most! Now, obviously there's pockets of the area where I would never even think about doing that, but I think there's just this large percentage of people who still desire to be treated truthfully and who are truthful themselves and so i think if we just are putting good seeds in the ground like you talked about earlier you put good seeds in the ground long enough and consistently enough a good harvest comes back what's up everybody i'm chas wolf gathering the king's podcast i'm back with you here i got a king on the king's stage today tracy lounsbury my brother how we doing
1: what's up my man what's up good to be here
0: you know, it's Monday, we're fresh, we're ready to go. We were just talking about some service that you've, that you've done in, in reference to our country. Thank you for that. But we were talking about push-up challenges. You just did a bunch of push-ups. Gathering the Kings yeah. is in the process of doing a bunch of push-ups. Man, us skinny guys, I don't know, we need help doing push-ups.
1: We do, man, <laughs> we do, yeah. It's, you know, it's funny when you, you always look back and you look at back at like, oh, what I used to do, and like when you were younger and you're like That's trying right. to
0: compare yourself, like, man, I gotta get back to that. But yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, yeah. It's good stuff, man. I appreciate you being here and spending time with us. Tell us what kind of business that you have.
1: So short story of the business is basically I'm in the insurance world, insurance and finance. And uh, I specialize in these little things called annuities in the insurance world. And uh, I've been going full bore at them for a few years now. Business has been booming and skyrocketing and it's a fantastic industry to be in, but there's a lot to it. So uh, I'm in the business for uh, offering them, but also just educating the masses like, financial advisors, yeah. insurance
0: agents, consumers, all that. That's, that's where I find a lot of my passion is. Yeah. I love it. I definitely want to get to your passion here in a second, but clear it for us. You might have a listener who's chiming in right now going an annuity. I've heard that word. What the heck is an annuity? Yeah, Tell man. us Tracy. Yeah.
1: Well, if you Google it, you're going to find like 95% of the answers are wrong. In in annuity as a, as a term dates all the way back to like the Roman era, it's supposed to be like a stream of income is really how it was designed okay for somebody so now they've kind of insurance companies have taken it and ran with it now it's a product and originally as well started with you know you take an asset you turn into cash and then you purchase an annuity and you get an income stream from it and then now there's like 20 different wings you can go off of where now they're like similar to cds you can get like long-term care insurance through them you can get you know market exposure and kind of like growth of market right. without a lot of risk. There's so many avenues to go down, but ultimately,
0: there's supposed to be just like a safe asset you can grow your money and take income from. Yeah, yeah. In essence, well, I guess maybe typically sounds like there's all kinds of products since you know 20 years ago when I was selling annuities. But in essence, you take a large sum of money, put it in a safe place, safe place. Yeah, and and like get that. a little drip, get a little drip every month, right? You got it. That's awesome, man. Well, okay, so. You said passion and you're excited about insurance, which might sound a little interesting to the listener, unless they're in insurance also. Yeah, right. But exactly. For all of us that aren't in insurance, we aren't passionate at all about insurance, right. financial services, annuities, this, this safe place to put money to get a little drip. All of that sounds a little bit foreign to us. We're business owners. Help us understand why the heck you're passionate about this.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I think it goes back to just being in like human services, helping people in whatever way, shape or form I can. That's what my background is in being former military, former law enforcement. Big man upstairs had a different plan for me, which we can get into later if you want. And, and laying in the insurance world. And what what kind of made me passionate about it is that insurance sucks, dude. It does. A lot of it sucks. People become insurance poor. People abuse, like as in financial advisor, or insurance agents, abuse that in, you know insurance world a lot. So I just have kind of made it my mission to be passionate and, and love an industry that can help a lot of people, but do it in a way that's just super transparent and, and ethical and just being able to kind of spread that like a wildfire to other agents and advisors and say, listen, you can do this the right way and still make a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that that message is obviously something that, that can be taken into any business. Why, why is that so important to you? Why is, you know, ethics or doing it the right way or being able to win and make a lot of money, like, cause that's kind of how we measure things in business, but right. yet with with a conscious or doing it right. the right way, right? How, why is that important to you?
1: Because I feel like in this world we live in, unfortunately, it's something that's becoming pushed to the wayside for sure. And there's a lot of ways to get rich unethically, I feel. You know, I've, I've sure. been presented with a lot of those opportunities and turned them away. So I get it. So I think the the path less traveled, there's just something about that. Just the challenges that come along with it growing up. I never really got anything handed to me. And I understand the value of a dollar, I think more than not to say that my situation was, oh, so, oh, so difficult, but more than a lot of people. So I want to make sure that every dollar that I earn is going to come from, you know, fruits of my labor, not somebody else's.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I can, just from my personal experience growing up single mom family, it's not, it's not that I remember, you know a specific situation where someone took advantage of us or you know ethics were used in a wrong way towards us however you know there's moments in time especially in professional services i can even think of all the way down to a, like an auto mechanic like that's still technically a professional service where right. a single mom is going to go in and i had no nothing about a vehicle and yet you're going to basically use your professional experience to to do things unethically right. it's the same thing for insurance is what you're saying like we the, the example i just gave of going to the auto mechanic and then being told that there's 14 things wrong with their car that aren't, and they're just trying to take advantage of. It. I feel like that happens quite a bit, actually. But sure. it's the same thing that happens. What you're saying in insurance that you have money hungry or unethical people taking advantage of situations and or people. And so then you have this like stain kind of on insurance or on people that sell insurance. What, why, or what should the listener be looking for? Whether they're going to work with you or whether they're working with somebody locally to them, what should they be paying attention to to find out if someone like you exists? Like Ethics, right. they're they're doing the right thing. Like what should they be paying attention to?
1: I think blind faith is something that people have these days because they maybe they might not be the subject matter expert. So they just kind right. of go off of like the I like you, therefore I'm gonna do business with you. And there is a lot of there is a lot there. Cause I think us as humans, we do have this kind of internal discernment, you know, sixth sense or whatever it is. Not everybody has it, and you get it wrong all the time. Trust me, Ben Burn there. But ultimately, you know. Don't just have blind faith. Go and do a little bit of research. I don't care if it's a family member. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at somebody's situation where a family member was managing that. And I'm just like, holy right. smokes. And, you, yeah. and now you got to walk on eggshells, right? So I don't care if it's a family member, family friend, friend, you know, current, I don't care what it is. Just do a little bit of research, right? Just, just ask very, I always, I have like 10 questions, like a sheet that I, that I give to my clients or maybe prospects. I just tell them, hey, ask them these 10 questions and get them back to me. And I'll tell you, if, depending on how they answer those questions, I'll tell, tell you if they're going down the right path for you. I promise you. It, it's, yeah. it doesn't take that much effort. It just takes effort.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that that applies, you know, even as the listener is paying attention to what you're saying about insurance. Okay, so Well, what, how do you, as the business owner listening right now, have some safeguards in place to be able to not, not necessarily tell your prospect how you're different, but to help them no matter what they choose, one way or the other. yep, That's what Tracy was just talking about. Whether they do insurance with a family friend or whether they go with, he wants to be able to provide value so that they can actually understand what they're getting. Because that's really what more it comes down to, especially with a family member. It's not that they want to do ill will, especially in insurance. No. Right, They just don't know what they're doing. Or they're working with a company where maybe they don't actually know that it's probably not a good deal. Or they're selling me a product that is only like partially what I need. You know, there's just a lot of like, you know, this happens in every industry though. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. And it, ignorance is something that, you know, it. it is what it is, right? Sometimes you just, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, the old adage, right? So ignorance right. is just, it's not a self-defense against ill will though, right? You can't say, hey, police officer, sir, I'm sorry, I didn't know that this was going to end up that way. It doesn't matter if it ended up that way, right? And you just yep. have to eat that and deal with it. So unfortunately it's not, but it doesn't mean that us, the guys who, who, and and we make mistakes, but maybe we do it a different way that we would consider the right way. It doesn't mean that we have to go out and attack those people and make them feel oh so bad about themselves. You can kind of give them a chance. And and I try to do that as often as possible. Like if I'm going and I'm taking money from an advisor, you know, moving money over to me or whatever it is, right? I normally try to give them, you know, a chance. Hey, this is this is kind of what I do. I educate a lot of advisors. I know that this isn't an ideal situation. And most of the time, nine times out of 10, they tell me to get lost. But hey, do you mind if we just kind of sit down and chat about things? Because I really think I could help you have a better understanding. And I've had, I've had quite a few people, granted, I mean, percentage-wise, very low. But I've had quite a few people take me up on that. And they've actually become part of our kind of organization in a way because we contract agents and whatnot, and it's been sure. it's been phenomenal. But you know, I don't think there's enough that happens there. Not to say that we're perfect, but
0: I do think that that would help our industry a ton. Yeah, understood. Well, tell us what you did before insurance. What's your background?
1: Yeah, so going back, I went to college for law enforcement. Barely got into college, like two point two GPA. Went in, yeah, went in with a with probation. Was not a good student at all in high school. Got in, was doing well. I met my wife in 2013. She definitely got me on the right track because in college I started to go off to the wayside. And I think a, a lot of guys have that story. <laughs>
0: yeah. So thank goodness for the wives.
1: Yeah, man. Tell me about it. So she she got me on track. I was able to get my act together. Went through the police academy. During that time in, in 2011, I joined the Army, a special operations civil affairs soldier. I served for eight years. It was technically about seven. Then I went into the inactive ready reserve. And uh, during that time I was I was in the reserve. So I was able to go to school and complete my degree and all that. And got out with pretty, pretty decent grades, one of the top of my class and went to go find a job. And I found one and and got hired out of, I don't know, forty or fifty applicants. And I was about two two weeks away. No, I'm sorry. I'm with this one, it was one week. One week away. I was one week away. I had Moved into an apartment, went to that city, switched over a cell phone carrier, all sorts of stuff. And my training officer calls me and he goes, hey, I just want to let you know that the sheriff rescinded the job offer. And there was no explanation. I asked, I was like, why? What's the reason? Yada, yada. No explanation. Didn't have to give it to me. Right. Tried to call, tried to set up meetings with him. Just let me know so I could be better in the future, you know, type thing. Like I get it. Nothing, Nothing. Nothing. So now you have to go through this whole six-month hiring process again. So I'm just like, crap. So I'm I'm going and finding odd jobs, working construction, worked at a hospital. Finally, you know, go through processes and I, I make it to the end and just don't get in. And I'm like, what's going on, you know? Finally, it's like my last ditch effort. I moved from, you know, the lower part of Michigan to back to Northern Michigan, tiny agencies up here. I'm like, there's no way I can't get a job up here. Finally, find one, go through the interview process. They hire me. Now I'm, I'm two weeks away from starting and the exact same thing happens. Wow. I get a call from my training officer and says, Hey, the chief, this time, it wasn't the county, it was the city. The chief rescinded the job offer. No explanation, no nothing. This one, I like hit really hard. I'm calling them all the time. Almost like surprised. I didn't put like a restraining order. (laughs) I'm, I'm calling them all the time. Like I gotta know what is going on and didn't figure it out. So ultimately. I'm a man of faith, and, and I think it was the big man upstairs for sure, telling me, maybe that's not the path you need to be going down. So I ended up transitioning into private security. Private security tried, I said, you know what, maybe I can do this insurance thing. I see, you know, people hiring on it all the time, worked for a, a captive company for eight months, went under a financial advisor for an, uh, about a year and a half. And then broke away from that and then started my own agency in December of 2019. So right before 2020, yeah. which was yeah. a lot of fun. We've been a rocket ship since, man, though. It's been super blessing, a lot of fun, a lot of hard times, but all those things make me grow and be better as a person. So wouldn't take yeah. it back.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. So that, little, that little run up there with your experience with the service departments. It's interesting that you never got any feedback. I'm curious though, you said a year and a half working, you know, in insurance for somebody else or generally, and then boom, I want to do my own thing. What was that inside of you at that moment? Because being an insurance agent, even for somebody else is kind of like entrepreneurship. Like you're a sales guy, you kind of do your own thing, hundred percent commission. You kind of live and breathe on what you kill that day. And so what was the difference between that and then like literally creating your own agency for you? Why did you have to do it?
1: Well, the, the step before that was I worked for a captive company and I'm not knocking captive advisors. So if you are listening to this, that's fine. You just got to find your niche. But, but basically what that means is you work for one company, right? So right. you sell their products. And ultimately yeah. what I found there was I was getting beat by a lot of other companies, a lot of these independent, you know, advisors. And I'm like, you know what? I, I got to go independent. Well, it just so happens that I ended up selling some policies to these individuals, went back, resold them other policies. Cause it was cheaper that I didn't know. I didn't know about our other products we had. Um, sure. they thought that was ethical and right and whatever. And it was like half a commission for me. And they introduced me to their cousin who was just starting an investment firm and needed a partner. And so, you know, we kind of hit it off. And so I ended up going under him as a writing agent. What that means is basically he owns my business, but then I basically just go and write it. And All so right. he just kind of let me do my own thing. And it was supposed to be a referral partnership back and forth. But ultimately what I found is just that the direction that both of us wanted to go was. Just different, right? It was just different. I'm not going to knock his direction, but ultimately it wasn't what I foresaw myself doing. So I was like, you know what? I got to go out and I got to do my own thing and I got to take a leap of faith. And I was thinking about doing this at this time and I wasn't ready financially. And uh, he brings me into his office and he fires me. He lets me go because I wasn't going in the direction. So that was like, oh, okay, got it. So this must mean that I need to be doing this. And it was your side. (laughs) Yeah. It was a horrible timing because of COVID and I didn't really have enough money saved up. And luckily, you know, I was able to get a loan and pay it back and all that. But, but ultimately, you know, you get thrown in the fire or, you know, you get, you get your back up against the wall and there's no way to go except for up. You know, I was married. I'd had to make it work. I didn't have a fallback. So I was, I was lucky enough to find a little bit of a niche, had a little bit of experience at that time. So found a little niche during the coronavirus and.
0: And uh, just grew the agency quite a bit. I love it, man. Would you say that this is an interesting question? Maybe you've heard this before. I don't know, but would you say that you're a love to win or a hate to lose person? I'm I'm a hate to lose person for sure. Hate to okay. lose.
1: I I hate I I will. I'm self motivated for sure. But I think what has motivated me over the years is people telling me I can't do something. You know, or people telling me I'm not going to do something. Don't don't tell me that because. I mean, I'm, I'm not at the stage now in my life where, I mean, I can just shrug a lot of things off, but I guess in maybe more of my immature years, man, I'm going to do anything in in my power to prove you wrong. Because ultimately I, I come from a pretty poor family and, and I was never really super good at anything growing up. I mean, I played sports and, you know, school, never good at school sports, never really good at a lot of sports. So I've always felt like I have something to prove. Now I'm past that and it still comes out once in a while but that's definitely what motivated me to get me to where i am today is is just proving others wrong proving people that i can be successful as this small town kid that didn't really have a lot to offer
0: yeah i, I actually you gave a really great description there i want to i want to help the listener understand your progression there because first off every entrepreneur has both we we love to win we hate to lose nobody loves to lose and Nobody hates to win, like <laughs> right, right, right. But but there is a there is a distinction between the two, and the one is we all have the chip on the shoulder. But it's like if if you're motivated by not losing, it's the backs against the rope. I have nothing to lose. That position is what propels me forward, as opposed to I'm addicted to winning. And both are okay. You just got to right. know who you are. But what I have found is that like what you're saying is that eventually, at some point, you have just probably just a maturing of perspective and understanding that there's a certain game that you play in order to win so that you don't lose and you know so forth and so on. So I think at some point, even the, the, the hate to lose folks recognize that winning is more powerful than not losing, yep. which you gave a great description of it just, you know, probably a little bit more around ego than anything. But I think that it's important for all of us at some point to carry a little chip on our shoulder, you know, like absolutely. Yeah. The people that said we couldn't are oftentimes the fuel, but I, that's just the piece I want to give to the listeners that make sure it's fuel, not like a grudge or a negative emotion because that stuff will eat you up as opposed to just fuel. It's like, they said, I couldn't watch, right? Yep. Let, let it be that. Would you, yeah, you? that's
1: great. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. That's awesome. That's, that's great perspective.
0: Good, man. All right. Well, let's talk about a good decision. Something that you did in these last couple of years as you've been skyrocketing the agency like you talked about, something that maybe we can learn from and do in our own businesses.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I would say the first thing that comes to mind that just popped in, it's really kind of two schools of thought. So one is, and I tell my agents this and I tell, I tell everybody this, my prospects this, is that I'm probably one of the most transparent people you'll ever meet. Right. Almost to a fault. I don't want to say that because it's kind of gotten me where I've gotten to, but, but I'm, I'm going to say it just for sure. the sake of argument.
0: Yeah.
1: When, when my business model is, is super education based. So it's, you know, I'm in sales and if I don't make a sale, I don't get paid. Right. But ultimately. When you have this kind of transparent educational focus, the sales come. Somebody told me a long time ago, you can't do the right thing long enough without seeing some type of positive result, right? And that's pretty much what I follow. So I would say to any business owner, and this almost seems like, well, yeah, no duh, Tracy. But no, I mean like really embrace the transparency behind what you do. Like even the behind the scenes things that businesses don't show, we show. Like we hop on Zoom meetings with clients and we'll like show them how we build out a proposal right in front of them. We show people like, hey, here's how the commissions get paid. Hey, here's how the insurance companies make money. Like all these things that are, you just don't talk about, right? We talk about it. Why? Because consumers, ultimately, a lot of them want to know. And I might not go down that path with everybody. And it does depend on who I'm sitting across from and kind of discerning the room a little bit. But I think transparency is so unbelievably important in what we do. And then the other one was technology. So utilizing technology in the insurance world, well, I think in a lot of businesses, we have like customer databases that we use, management software that we use, right. you know, CRMs, right? So I use a lot of CRM stuff. You know, I love it or hate it, the whole chat GPT thing, kind of scary, I get it, but we're using it, man, we're using it. It's it's, it's a tool to be used and we yeah. use a lot of that stuff. And And so technology has made it to where I don't need 20 employees, I have an 1,800 square foot office with me and one other person, and I have contracted advisors in, I don't know, 37 different states, and I don't know how many we're up to now, but ultimately, most of what we do, granted, very time-blocked, but it's automated. Everything is automated, right? Everything has just got its place in technology. You just have to go find it,
0: learn it, try it, do it, right? That's right. I love it. Love that process. Yeah, I mean, ChatGPT is going to write a great show notes about you here today. Maybe not today. (laughs) Somebody on my team is going to use that AI tool to write a fantastic article and all kinds of stuff about you. So, you know, I think that you're right. Spot on with the technology. I think that's great. The transparency thing is hard, right? Like we hear it and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be transparent. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be authentic or genuine. Be real. Oh, okay. You gave some great, some, some like practicals there that building a proposal, showing commissions, you know, we've talked a lot in like home service companies, like just showing profit, you know, yep. <laughs> like, absolutely. this is what we're charging for this and this is the profit and it's sure. okay because if we don't have a profit, you should go with the other guy that doesn't have a profit and he probably is not going to be in business next year because he's working out of the back of his truck. That's yep. going to break down on the way to your job. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: And you know, a great example of that is like, you know, sales in general, but like car sales, right? I've purchased two cars. Well, I've purchased four or five vehicles in the last like four years. Don't I mean don't we talk about it, but I've purchased two that the dealership that I, I worked with was a small dealership, and they just seemed very transparent with me. And both of them, the first one I learned from the first one, the first one actually turned his monitor around and said, Hey, this is exactly what I paid for this. Here's the receipt on it. I cut the guy a check for 600 bucks more just so he could get more profit. Okay. You know, those things come back around. And then the second one, because of that first one, I asked him, I said, so what did you pay for this truck? And he told me and showed it to me. Here's the receipt on it. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's a pretty good profit margin. Then I'll, I'll go with it. I get it. You know, just that type of transparency is go show me a sales guy who does that. Right. Yeah, but it yeah. got those guys sales and, and right. ultimately, is it going to push people away in some scenarios, you're going to find people, but probably people you don't want to work with anyways,
0: right? Exactly. So yeah.
1: you're kind of going to learn and learn your audience and, and kind of move forward and, and and you'll find success.
0: Yeah. It makes me think of years ago, I used to sell advertising to small business owners. And, you know, I had, I had a lot of people in the office that I would train. There's a couple thousand sales reps. And at, at one point I had become number one and it was a big deal, but I, I didn't like walk around with like, you know, the, the ego piece, like we talked about earlier, I really wanted to help other people and people listen to my calls all the time. And one of the, one of the most profound things of feedback that I would get that people are so shocked about, they're like, man, you, like, you tell them almost like below expectations, like actually well below expectations and they still buy from you. I'm like, yep. well, here's the deal. First off, we're talking about trust, right? Like this is a different part of the sales process. You need to be able to build trust in unique ways along the way but right. when we get to the deal, because I've built trust and I'm also being like over conservative, they're, they're actually, they're appreciating that in me, of me, through the product, whatever. And guess what? When it happens better than that, do they love me or do they love me? I mean, exactly. uh, and they're going to send me a referral. Y- yes. And you wonder how I'm selling three to every one for you. Yeah. It's like, dude, it's okay to just be straight. Be honest. In fact, maybe go a little under. It's okay. As long as the math still works, as long as it's still a good decision for them. Why Why do we need to inflate it? Does that make
1: sense? Absolutely, man. I see it all the time. In, in, in the annuity world, we have products that are designed to grow based on like kind of market. In, it's They're called indexed annuities. I would say it's the number one problem right now with them. And it's ultimately, it's it's marketing companies as well, the insurance companies allowing it. But what I could do today, I could build out an annuity illustration for somebody that basically it's like, hey, in the next 10, 20, 30 years, this is what we think is going to happen based on. And this is in huge quotes based on history, which there is none, but based on history, I could build one out today that has a 23% average return and legally show it to somebody. And ultimately, just so everybody knows an index annuity, if it's a good one is designed to do like four and a half to seven and a half. That's how wildly different it is. When we build them out, we build them out at about five. I would say if you took a hundred agents, there might be one that builds it out that low. Why? Same thing. We're shooting for kind of lowering the expectation so that, hey, in the future when it does do better or if it doesn't, right, we don't look that bad in the future because obviously it's market based and the market's kind of crazy right now. But, you know, we're going to look like a king to them, right? Ultimately. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The the position here that we're talking about just for the listener is not underselling. It's not it's not on purpose giving the wrong expectations. It's just right. being honest <laughs> Absolutely. Good old, you know, good old boy. Honesty, you know, and it's just like people respect because actually what I have found, maybe, maybe you can agree to this or not. I don't know. But what I have found is that most people actually are truthful. Like they follow by, you know, like if I left my keys in the truck and the truck unlocked, most people actually still live by like, that's not mine. I don't open it up. I don't drive it away. Most most. Now, obviously there's pockets of 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 the area where I would never yep. even think about doing that. But I think there's just this large percentage of people who still desire to be treated truthfully and who are truthful themselves. And so I think if we just are putting good seeds in the in the ground, like you talked about earlier, you put good seeds in the ground long enough and consistently enough, a good a good harvest comes back.
1: Absolutely. That's a that's actually a great point. Because it's, you said long enough, inconsistent enough. And unfortunately with my generation on the whole job, my generation, we are all about this instant gratification. I bet you, you guys have covered it on, on podcasts yeah. before, cause it, it's, it's important. But if people can just get away from this instant gratification baloney and move into like, Hey, if you work l- hard enough and long enough for a period of time you're gonna get something back to you and that's okay. You don't have to have it today. You don't have to have it tomorrow, right? You're not gonna plant a tree today and see, you know, this 40 foot to 100 foot monster in your front yard in two weeks. It's not gonna happen, yeah. right? But ultimately yep. when you do see it, it's gonna be so unbelievably rewarding. Just yeah,
0: invest in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries, level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer-to-peer mastermind group specifically for seven to nine figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And at a certain point in business, success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, Leveraging Key Relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven- to nine-figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven- to nine-figure business even to the next level and get around other big hitters just like you, I want you to go to GatheringTheKings.com, fill out a short application, and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me, and I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon. At the time of this recording, we're like four days into the new platform, Threads. Are you on Threads yet? I am, yeah. We just joined. Okay. So, so I, I just shared or reshared a quote on this exact topic. And it was basically like, hey, if you'll measure what you're doing on a daily basis, uh, like your actual activity on a daily basis, but what you get on a longer horizon, yearly, five years, 10 years, that right there will make you wealthy, period. 100%. Everything that we're talking about. hundred percent. That's awesome. Love it. Okay. So I want to know a bad decision. Tracy, give us the the hour where you were maybe stuck in the office, maybe crying a little bit. I don't know. What, what happened? Oh
1: my God. <laughs> well, bad decisions for me, ultimately, I think obviously they led me down a path that people have pulled me out of, which is great. A little background on me. When I was a kid, I made a really dumb mistake and I broke into a building. I love to tell the story because it's made me who I am today. I broke into a building. It was on my 14th birthday. And it was actually it's funny it was actually under good intentions. We thought we heard screaming. I know it's it's legit. We did. We broke in okay. thinking that we were helping somebody. Well, that turned into us breaking a bunch of stuff. It was like an abandoned warehouse type thing, but not as abandoned as it should have been, I guess, or yeah. not as we thought. So we ended up breaking some stuff and whatnot. And so that led me down, you know, got a misdemeanor and probation and yada yada yada. But ultimately, if I wouldn't have gotten caught there. The path I was going to now, because my parents were just divorced and yada, yada, yada. If, if I wouldn't the gotten caught, man, I tell people, I, I might be laying in a ditch somewhere, or I might be like, you know, yeah. scratching my neck and asking people for money on the side of, you know, on the side of the highway somewhere as well, uh, honestly. So, you know, making dumb decisions, learn from them very, very quickly and adapt and make sure. And I tell people this, and it, it's people say said this a lot. Fall forward, right? When you fall and you're going to fail, right? You're gonna fall and you're gonna fail if you go backwards. I'm six foot. I'm now six foot back. If I go forward, I am now six foot forward. I would much rather be. That's a twelve foot difference, by the way. You do that enough times, you're gonna have a very big gap as to where you were, right? So when you do fail, learn from it. Fail forward. Be a better person. Eat what you got coming because it is what it is. Don't try to make excuses for it. You know you made mistakes. Just learn from it and end up being transparent about it. People are gonna appreciate that too. Again, going back to transparency thing.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that and that vulnerability that you would share that. How has that translated for you in business? Because, you know, we make mistakes all the time, sometimes small, sometimes money related. For sure. But you've given us a foundation here of like, OK, so because of this happened to you, you had to basically have persistence. And you look back and you're like, OK, wow, like I am who I am today based on me getting caught doing something that I shouldn't have been. But, man, I was trying to help somebody and like that. That wasn't fair, but, but it was. But it right. helped me, but it wasn't good. And so fast forward, you know, to a year ago and you did what, how, what, like what happened in the business where you're like, oh, you were able to slough it off because of the past experience.
1: You mean when I was independent? Yeah.
0: In the agency world. Yeah. Like something that's happened practically. So,
1: so practically I will tell you that recently I made a, I made a pretty big mistake where I, I basically told one of my clients to do something before we were ready for it or before it was approved, thinking that like it was a slam dunk and it was good to go and yada, yada. And, And I never do this ever. And in the annuity world, there's a lot of things called through suitability. And what we found was that it was not approved and I couldn't do it because of a factor that they didn't give me. And ultimately it was, it was my fault and it was about a $50,000 mistake, okay? So it was, it was a nice chunky mistake. And so I could have blamed on everybody else. I could have ran and hide, I could you know, whatever. There was a lot of things around me that I could have blamed because there was a lot sure. of factors there. But ultimately what I told them is that, and this was, it was a big account, it was about a million dollar account. I, I told them, I said, I made a mistake. I told you guys to do this. Again, being transparent. I told you guys to do this and I shouldn't have. Here's the normal process. Here's where I made the mistake. And I said, let me rectify it. And I was going to rectify it in two ways. Either one, I was going to find, it was a product thing. So I was going to find a product that would make them up that 50,000. Or I was going to pay them out of my own pocket, which you can do. You have to go through legal to do it, which we had full intentions to do. And ultimately what they said was, all right, Tracy, we're going to give you a chance. You give you a chance here. And they they didn't have to. They could have walked away. They could have collected 50 grand and actually would have been a better spot. And uh, they ultimately let me seek out. So I went out, found something to fix their problem. I actually was able to get them about, I think it was like 62,000 back, which was great. And, uh, you know, it was less commission for me. It was a lot more work for me and all that stuff. But ultimately, I think that transparency is what landed them, you know, as a client, because I did make a mistake and everybody probably would have walked away if I wouldn't yeah. have been down that path. But going back to, like I said, man, I'm probably the most transparent person you mean, I, I, I told them that and I make mistakes, but rectify it. If that would have went another way and I wouldn't have got it, I would have paid them right. 50 grand out of my pocket. Right. That that also is a great segue into when you set yourself up for business. A business where you can make big mistakes like that on accident, because we all are humans. Make sure you're in a, a in a financial position to rectify big mistakes. Right. Yeah. I tell business owners this all the time. Don't change your lifestyle when you start making money. Keep your keep your same lifestyle. Pay off your debt, put some money in the bank. You don't have to, you know, invest it in your 401k all the time. You can have a nice chunky safety net first. You don't have to invest it back in your business super, super fast. Give yourself that safety net because ultimately. What would, what would six months of income look like for you? What would a year of income look like for you? Put that aside. Right. It's very simple right. kind of Dave Ramsey advice, but, but ultimately that's what's brought me down this path of like, I can make mistakes and rectify them because I'm in the financial position to do so.
0: Yeah, that's so good, man. I, I want to point out for the listener, the transparency that you were referring to just in, in making mistakes is that oftentimes we forget that the entire client journey is building for this moment. And now I'm not saying that we build so that we can make mistakes. I'm saying that we are walking our client through a very intentional process, building trust, doing what we say we're going to do, you know, walking alongside of them, getting the results that we said that we're going to get, all the things. So that if, if there's a moment where there's, we're a human and we make a mistake, like Tracy just said, he went to him transparently. They already had a history with him of, Well, either he's already done what he said he was going to do or he was trustworthy up until this moment. And so why wouldn't we give him a chance to rectify it? Why would we be pissed and run the other way? And the times where this has happened either to me and some of the companies I own or to some of my clients is that up ahead of that, we either didn't do a very good job or we intentionally did things or maybe didn't do things that didn't trust or that lost trust earlier. And so that way, when the bigger mistake happens, it's like, nope, sever boom, no rectification at all whatsoever. doesn't matter how transparent you are then because yep. they don't believe you.
1: Yep,
0: you got it. So it's just, it's just this history that we're building. Obviously, you've done a good job there being transparent, but it's, it's not just in that moment. I want to know of a good business resource, podcast, book, event, what have you, what have you invested in that has given you value?
1: Man, well, I, I don't read a lot these days. I need to go back into it. But one book I say that has really changed how I communicate with people It is Positive Words, Powerful Results by Hal Urban. It's not a very hard read. It's not a very, you know, thick book by any means, but it's a great one. Just speaking positivity into people and just seeing kind of how that comes back around. Oh man, it's just so powerful. It's so powerful. Because, you know, these days you turn on the TV, you know, even these Facebook reels, YouTube reels, you know, TikTok, whatever, there's so much negativity in the world because negativity is for some reason, people just like to leech off of negativity. Maybe they realize that, you know, hey, that's worse than my life. Therefore, I'll watch that. It makes me feel better about myself. But ultimately, it doesn't. It actually does the opposite effect. Um, so just breeding positivity into people, in yourself, in your family, it all comes back around, man. And, and, and ultimately, us as business owners, you know, we have a goal. And that is to support our families, support our clients, support our staff. And to hopefully at some point build a legacy, right? But that all comes back to who is the number one in your life. And the number one should be in most cases, family, right? So if you're breeding negativity in your business, guess where that's going to come back around? It's going to come back around at home. And then you and your wife aren't going to be happy and the kids aren't going to be happy. And ultimately you should be structuring your business in a way that positively impacts your family or just positively impacts your personal life as well, right? That's how I try to do it.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. That's super great. What would you say, since you just mentioned family, I, I've got a question for you about doing family or the family thing, marriage, kids, the whole nine, alongside of the business? Because clearly you're obsessed. You've got an obsessive nature. We've talked about this basically the whole podcast and we're like all in in a business. Okay, great. How do we obsess or how have you obsessed over your wife, family, all those other things that you love outside of the business at the same time? Not giving them up, not balancing, but obsessing at the same time.
1: Yeah. You have to be intentional with it. That's for sure, man. Intentionality is something that I probably have lacked in the past. My wife and I have been married since 2017, been together since 2013. Our son Jackson was born in 2020. And then we have twins on the way due November, right? Yeah. Identical in their boys. So we're going to have three boys in our family. So ultimately, (laughs) yes, yes. I'm going to need it, man. So when you're obsessed with your business and what you do, and I am... Something I used to do is when I had the time, you know, if I was putting time on my wife and we had the time before we had, you know, Jackson, I'd, I'd be sitting on the couch, reading articles, whatever, trying to get better and whatnot. But if you find yourself at home doing business or doing anything else other than being with your family, when you're already working 60 hours a week or 50, I don't care. It doesn't have to be that much 40 hours, but it doesn't matter if you're not intentional with your time, because time is a commodity you can't create any more of, right? then you're making a mistake, right? Because you can never get that time back. So something that I've done recently is that my time blocks at work, I've changed. So, you know, I have a calendar, you know, people can book appointments in my calendar and and we have worked with a lot of referral partners that do that. So ultimately, and I'm in a position where I don't have to dial anymore, which is fantastic. But ultimately I just show up to work and I have appointments booked. And I used to give myself as many time slots as I possibly can to fit as many appointments in because more appointments equals more money, right? That's right. But who is that going to affect? It was my family, right? Yeah. So now I'm intentional with, you know, my Mondays, or I'm sorry, my Fridays, I come in late. My Thursdays, I come in early and then I stay late. M- my Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I leave early, right? So I have like these time slots and I, I never make an appointment after five o'clock now. No more appointments after five o'clock. I used to make appointments all the way up to eight o'clock. I'd have a client that says, Tracy, hey, I'm still working. Can you meet with me? No. The answer is No. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, can you meet me with you on the weekend? No, can't. I used to work almost every Saturday or every other Saturday, no working on the weekend, unless I'm like really behind from a vacation or something. There's a couple of exceptions there. You know, if I'm taking a huge time block with my family already. Yeah. But ultimately being intentional with your time, I think is, is so important because if you can obsess at work and obsess with the time you do have 20 hours or 10 hours, whatever it is a week with your family, whatever you can fit in, of of being super proactive can yeah. feel like 40 hours to them
0: oh yeah absolutely right yeah there's there's levels upon levels here that Tracy's given to you guys listening here is that not only be optimizing on your calendar and, and giving the time to the family but even inside of those times being intentional about what are we doing or what are we working on or are we taking a marriage course are we are we hanging out with the kids are we preparing yep. the room for the twins there's there's life in that, but there can be super intentionality in those moments of creating memories or just doing the thing together that is just really, really good. One of the that you said, you made this distinction between building and, and maintaining. And, and there's a period of time, and maybe that's where the listener is right now, where they're building their business and yep. they're working early, they're working late, they're working on the weekends. And I did that for years and yep. I still work intensely a lot. Yep. And I think every entrepreneur does it's just you become more efficient and more dialed in, more intentional as the time goes on. And so maybe I don't need to take appointments in the evening or on the weekend, like Tracy's saying. Maybe I don't need to fill in the blank with whatever your business is at some point. But there is a building period where you can't just be hand out and say, look, I deserve X. Yeah. It's like, look, hey, you're a good person, but your finances are what's going to allow that to <laughs> your family. So That's I right. think building, at least for a period of time make sure you get some sustainability in there and then uh, do exactly what Tracy said, because he's giving you a, a really great depiction here of I did this and that was yep. okay. And then now I'm doing this. Would you agree with that? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to have
1: sacrifices you're going to have to make, and you're going to have to establish that with your wife or your significant other or whoever, and let them know like, Hey, you got to be in this with me. Right. Cause if they're not in it with you, man, it's, it's going to fail. They have to be in it with you. And you're going to have to prove to them sometimes too. Like, you know, that it's, it's going to work out. Sometimes that's okay. You know, with your spouse, like I got to work my butt off. You have to let me do this so I can prove to you once we're on the same page, then that's, you know, that can be an unstoppable force. But I, I tell people that you either have time or you have money, right? If you don't have time, okay, then you can buy time. Cause that means you got money. If you don't have money, guess what? You have time. Okay. So I just buy time, man. I buy time. One of my business partners, you know, he's probably doing 30 plus million a year in annuities. And and ultimately I'm in a position to where I, I could for sure do that. And he tells me that all the time, but I don't because I'm taking that money I would be making and I am buying time because I'm at a position in my life where I need that. Now, if I didn't have kids, older, more established, whatever, that that's a whole different story. But right. this season of your life, it's okay to embrace your season, right? It's okay to not don't fall to comparisons is, a, is another one too, right? Don't look at what other people are doing successfully. Don't look at that as being a negative, like, oh man, I should be there. Cause you have absolutely no idea what season of life they're in compared to you, right? Use that as more of a, when I get to that season, I'm gonna have that motivate me instead of demotivate you. Because comparisons can be positive, but they can be super negative. So just be very be, be very aware of that.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. I got one last question here for you, Tracy. If you had the opportunity, to whisper into that younger Tracy's ear. Maybe, yeah, maybe that fellow that was breaking in I don't know. I don't know how old he is in your mind, but you whisper in his ear. What would you say? Question, man, live in the moment because it, it, it,
1: it flies away fast. I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I didn't have like a horrible childhood or anything, but I don't remember a lot of it because I felt like where I was at is I just wasn't living in it. I wasn't enjoying it. So enjoy it while you're in it. Don't enjoy breaking into people's, you know, pole barns or whatever it was it as a co-op building, actually. Don't do that, you dumb dumb. But, but enjoy going out and playing football with your buddies, right? Enjoy going out on the boat with your family. Enjoy going to the park or going to the beach. Like live in that moment. Don't be absent. Don't wish you were somewhere else. Live there. That, that's what I wish I would have done.
0: Is that message true for the younger Tracy entrepreneur, the young Tracy dad? The I mean, is that is that still a message that you would still a message to me today?
1: today? Still a message. Yeah. Yep. Just live in the moment. I just I'm better at it now, but ultimately it's for sure an area that I, I struggle with. Because going back to, to being a business owner, right? It's it's hard to turn it off, right? It's hard. So you have to be intentional with it. You have to work on it. So let's live in that moment, man. Live in that moment keep your brain separated, your work brain and your personal brain separated. Whatever you have to do to get there, get there.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Tracy, how can the listener find you? Obviously, you can help them with a plethora of, I'm sure, insurance uh, needs that they might have, including your specialty annuities and a drip of income. But where can they find you? Also, too, if they're just an entrepreneur and they want to pick your brain because you've said some things here that they resonate with, how can they find you that way? For sure. So two schools
1: here. So if you are entrepreneur or business owner or in the insurance world or whatever a couple areas you can find us one is you can just email me support at the that's more of our education brand for advisors and agents you can find our group on facebook it's called annuity giants on facebook the largest social media group for annuity education out there currently you can if you are a consumer. My brand on the consumer side is called Up North Retirement in Northern Michigan. You can find us upnorthretirement.com. We have a, a great video series on there called the Annuity Information Center. So if you wanna learn, go in there, watch the video series. And if you are on an insurance agent, and that's email is tracy at upnorthretirement.com. I know I got a bunch here, okay? So just, yeah. just bear with me. Uh, okay. and we'll then put them all in the show notes too. <laughs> and then last one here, if you're an agent that is struggling, and you want some some solid, just, you want to be with the right people. And I'm not a recruiter by any means. I actually got into that role more like by, you know, people being you know, proactively seeking me. We actually created a course and it's just go to theannuitygiants.com, check it out. It's just a way for you to get to A to Z to just help do things the right way. And that's something that we really pride ourselves in. Yeah,
0: love that, man. Lots of ways to get in connection with you. Lots of ways for you to be able to serve people listening here today. Thank Absolutely. you for not only just being here, but just telling your story and your journey along the way. I hope that the the upcoming change of twins, twin boys going to three under the age of probably two or whatever. Under you know, the age of three. Called. Yeah. Under <laughs> the age of three. There you go. It's going to be a lot, but blessings to you, your family, you. your business. Thanks for being here, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that It's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically, who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1000 kings. Talk soon.